When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather to together all the Jews who are in Susa, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. I'll do my best. There are a, a lot of things about life that we can't explain. For example, why are you living in this time and place as opposed to, say, a thousand years ago? Now, obviously, there's a logical explanation for that, but that's not my point. My point is, have you ever wondered about that? When I count my blessings, I often wonder why I have been blessed more so than many other people. Why was I so blessed to be born in this country and not in India or Ethiopia where I might not have lived past the age of five? And when I see the picture of starving children in third world countries, I wonder why wasn't that me as a child? Why have I been so blessed? Something else I often wonder about is why was my heart sympathetic or open to the gospel while millions of others were not? And I know it's not because God loves me more. You know, I know that God loves every single person. But yet I enjoy blessings that many other people never had or will have. Is there a reason? You know, is it just happenstance or being in the right place at the right time, born into the right family? What I want you to consider this morning is that you may be in a particular place or situation and have been blessed in certain ways for a reason, a particular reason. I I want to share with you an example of that by reminding you of the life of a young woman who most of you know, uh, who had she been living in our time today would not have had the impact uh, that she did in history. She was a young Jewish woman by the name of Hadassah who had been orphaned and was being reared by her cousin. Her Persian name is the name with which all of us are more familiar and that Tommy read for us, and that's in Esther. It indicates in chapter 2, verse 7 of Esther, that Esther had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. Now, that's not unusual. You know, there are a lot of women that have those characteristics, but... If you have read the book of Esther, you know why that was significant. The story of Esther is is the story of how God used one of his children who had certain gifts or characteristics to orchestrate a particular outcome in a specific time and place. Most of you know the story. The king of Persia was having a big party in the palace. It was a seven-day feast. And in regard to drinking, it says in verse 8, drinking was according to this edict. There is no compulsion. 
In other words, you could drink as little or as much as you wanted, as often as you wanted. You can just imagine what that party was like. On the seventh day of the feast, it says the heart of the king was merry. (laughs) I'm sure by then it was. After seven days of drinking as much as you want, whenever you want, you can just imagine how merry they were. So he commanded his servants to bring in his trophy wife, the queen, to show everyone how beautiful she was. He wanted to show her off to his friends. And the queen, at the same time this feast was going on, this party was going on, the queen was having her own feast for all of the women at the same time. And she said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to parade in front of a bunch of merry men just so they can have a thrill. I mean, I'm I'm ad-libbing a bit. It doesn't say that exactly in Scripture, but you get the idea. It doesn't matter whether you are the queen or not. You never say no to the king. That was an insult and an embarrassment for the king as well as a challenge to his authority. And I, I, I love the reaction of the king's advisors. You can't let her get away with that. Because if you do, all the other wives will start refusing to obey their husbands. Then there's going to be a national crisis. That's how we husbands think sometimes. So that was it for the queen. Queen Vashti was her name. She was out as queen and the hunt began for a new queen. There was only one requirement for the new queen. She had to be the most beautiful woman in the empire because the king of the empire had to have the most beautiful woman of the empire for a, for a, a queen. I mean, she didn't have to be intelligent. She didn't have to be competent. She just had to be pretty. You know, it's no secret that uh, looks can give you an advantage in life. A rather belligerent husband once wised off to his wife by asking, you know, how can you be so pretty and yet so dumb? And she appropriately replied, well, I'm pretty so that you'll love me. I'm dumb so that I'll love you. You know, it doesn't take a lot of thinking to realize that being the wife of a king was a very enviable position. So the king's staff organized a process to find the most beautiful woman in the Persian Empire. And this empire, according to verse 1 of chapter 1, consisted of over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. And since Esther was very beautiful, she was one of the candidates chosen. Problem was, she was a Jew. And Mordecai, who was Esther's cousin and guardian, permitted Esther to be chosen, even though it would be a sin for a Jewish woman to marry a pagan, which is what the king was. So the king's servants gathered up all the candidates, made them go through a year-long beautification process, and eventually Esther was found by the king to be the most beautiful of all the women, and she was chosen to be the new queen. And during the beautification process, that year-long process, Mordecai advised Esther, do not reveal your Jewish heritage. And this was because the Jewish religion of worshiping only Jehovah God was at odds with the Babylonian religion. It's kind of like putting together a resume. You know, you're only going to include those attributes that enhance your value rather than anything that might reveal a weakness or a shortcoming. So Mordecai said, don't tell him you're Jewish. 
So as the story goes, the Jewish woman becomes the first lady of the Persian Empire. Now, if I were Esther, of course, I'd be pinching myself to make sure that this wasn't a dream. You know, I would be thinking to myself, wow, life is good. It's going to be really good. You know, all I have to do is look pretty. And I'm going to live in luxury all the rest of my life. All my needs are going to be completely met. I don't have to worry about anything. What Esther didn't realize was that God had a purpose for all of this. God had been working behind the scenes to accomplish his will through Esther. God used her beauty to place her in this special position. She was not just another pretty face. Esther's blessing of becoming a queen is now going to become a means for the preservation of an entire nation of people, God's people. God uses her gift of beauty as a means of preserving the Jewish people. How that came about was that sometime after Esther became queen, there was a man named Haman. He was a very high official in the kingdom. He was rather infatuated with himself and and wanted everyone to acknowledge him. And so he persuaded the king to enact a law which required every person in the kingdom to bow down to him whenever they saw him, except the king, of course, you know. So wherever he went, people would have to bow down to him, except, and they did, except for one guy. And that one guy happened to be Esther's cousin and guardian, Mordecai. So Mordecai would refuse to bow down because he was a Jew. Chapter 3, verse 4 of Esther. Jews were not permitted to worship anyone but God. And Haman was so infuriated by that, he persuaded the king to write a law that on a certain day, sometime in the near future, the people in the Persian kingdom would be allowed to attack all the Jewish people and destroy them. He was so angry, he didn't want just Mordecai eliminated, he wanted all the Jews to be eliminated. And so, you know, when Mordecai got wind of this, he sent a message to Esther. And this became kind of a defining moment for Esther. He explained to her what had transpired and told her, you've got to go speak to the king. You know, and Esther was obviously in the perfect position to do it. But that posed a problem for her. Because according to Persian law, you couldn't just go to the king anytime you felt like it. Even if you were the queen, you had to be invited by the king. And anyone who went to the king without being invited would be executed. There was, however, one exception. You know, if the king happened to be in a good mood that day and he held out his golden staff, your life would be spared and you could approach him. And so, as you can imagine, Esther was rather reluctant to approach the king. You know, she had a pretty nice thing going. Mordecai told her in chapter 412, hey, you have to do this or we're all going to die. And don't think that just because you're the queen, your, your life will be spared. Mordecai then said some pretty interesting words to Esther in chapter 4, verse 14. He said, And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. 
So what Mordecai was hinting was that maybe you didn't become queen just because you're beautiful. Maybe God had a deeper purpose for your life than just to be the beautiful queen of Persia. All of you, in a sense, are Esthers in this world. I'm not speaking of of physical beauty necessarily, but... You were not created just to be a waitress or a teacher or a car mechanic or a clerical worker, homemaker, nurse, or whatever. You weren't just created for that. You were created to fulfill a role in God's kingdom. You were created for the purpose of helping God accomplish His will through you in your time and in your place. Poor Esther, she was facing here a significant defining moment in her life. I mean, she she was going to have to decide whether or not she was going to be used for that purpose. And that was certainly quite a decision to make because she was going to have to place her life on the line. And she made a very courageous decision. You know, in Esther 4, verse 16, she told Mordecai to get all the Jews together in Susa, which was the capital city, fast and pray for three days, and then I'm going to go to the king, though it's against the law. And then she said those words that Tommy read at the end, and if I perish, I perish. But Mordecai helped her understand that there was a deeper purpose for her life than just to be a beautiful queen. Now, if you know the story, she did not perish. When she approached the king, she was not executed. The king held out his staff and gave her permission to approach him, and through her courage, and all the Jews were saved. In fact, the Jews established a holy day called Purim to remember this event, and it's still celebrated today in the month of March. You know, most most of you are not in a real powerful or influential position like Esther was. But you have a choice in this world. Are you going to fulfill the the, the deeper purpose for your life? Or are you just going to play it safe and go about your daily routine? What is your deeper purpose? Your deeper purpose is to let God use you in his kingdom. Your deeper purpose is to glorify him and serve the true king every day. Could it be that you are who you are and you do what you do because God wants to use you in a particular time and place? Could it be that God has opened certain doors for you because he wants you in that position? Could it be that he he wants you in that position because with your talents and gifts and, and, and a little courage, you could have a significant impact on a person or people with whom you work or in the neighborhood in which you live? When you, when you consider Esther, I think the answer is yes. When you consider God and his will, you know that there are no accidents. Does that mean that God controls everything you do and orchestrates your entire life? Are you just a, a remote control robot and God is, is holding the controller? I don't think so. But God is certainly working in the world and if you'll let him in you, 
You know, Paul informed the Romans that, that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. What is His purpose? That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself and, and to get the gospel message to as many people as possible. We've been talking the last month, practically, in the young adult class about being ambassadors for Christ. What does that mean? The defining moment for you is whether or not you're going to allow God to work through you to do that. You're not just teachers, nurses, attorneys, and students. You're God's children. His, his, you're serving Him. You're, you're His representatives in this world. And God makes His appeal to the world through you. You have co-workers that need to hear the gospel. You have friends and relatives and neighbors who need to hear the gospel and need to know Jesus. And you may be where you are because you're the right person to speak to that person. You're the right person to influence that, that co-worker or that student, that classmate. I think that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25 through 33, don't be anxious about having enough food, having enough clothing. I'm going to take care of that stuff. I've got more important tasks for you to do. I want you to focus on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So, so do you have the courage to fulfill the deeper purpose of your life? If you do, the difference could significantly change your corner of the world and alter someone else's life forever, including maybe yours. You will make a difference for more people than you can count. Lives will be significantly influenced if you take this seriously because of your courage and your willingness to fulfill the deeper purpose of your life. They may not create a holiday for you, but I guarantee you, it will not go unnoticed by the one who matters most. So God is, he, God is, is working in this world. We know that. God is working in your life and he wants, to, he wants to work in your life. He wants to impact the lives of other people through you. But you have to be willing. You have to be open to that. God has given you gifts. He's given you talents. And who knows whether or not you were chosen for just such a time and circumstance as the one you're in now. God called you. He's called you to do something special in his kingdom. And it, and it can be a defining moment for you. Will you choose to courageously accept your calling as Esther did? Or not? I pray you'll choose to accept it. And recognize that God has a much deeper purpose for your life than just to get up in the morning and go to work and come home and pay bills and go to the grocery store. He's got a much deeper purpose for your life than that. Speaking of callings, you know, in Acts 2, 38 and 39, it reads, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you, for your children, and for all who are far off, and everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Could it be today? Could it be today? Is there someone here today that maybe God is calling to come to him? Or to come back to him? 
could be the greatest defining moment of your life. That all depends on which choice you make. Maybe today's the day you finally repent of your sins. Today's the day you finally decide to live differently. Today's the day you're going to start over. Today's the day you're really going to begin to make a difference. If it is, please let us know this morning. David's going to lead us in this song. It's an opportunity to respond. It's an opportunity to respond to the call this morning. We encourage you as we stand and as we sing.